This week on the IBC Student Podcast, we have our guest speaker, Brother Francis. In England, my uh, founding pastor, Reverend James Dallas, my spiritual father and mentor taught me, you know, when you preach 45 minutes is long enough. And don't abuse the people's um, privilege and, and time. So um, the first, I was to preach the last two days of the conference, and uh, my friend was preaching the first two days. Well, I, the service started around about 6.37, and they put him on to preach at 9.30. So, uh, and then when, they, when he got up to the, he greeted them for about 20 minutes. So he didn't really get going, going preaching until about 10. And then he preached for an hour and a half, and those folks, I mean, they really got with him. I mean, they, they, they weren't tired. They weren't sleeping. I mean, they really went with it. Altar call was around about 11.30, and uh, people were just pouring out. And, you know, after the altar call, they did the praise worship song, so it was going 12.30. And I'm thinking, surely this can't be right. This is a one-off. But then the following uh, night, the same thing happened again. And... Um, so when it was my turn to preach, I thought to myself, well, I've got to make sure these folks get on before midnight, you know, because they've been out all day, uh, et cetera. So they gave me the pulpit at 9.30, and I, and I greeted, and I preached, you know, to 10.30. There was an awesome move of God. Um, I preached about the presence of the Lord, and as, we, as I preached about the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord just fell on the congregation, and you know, they just responded in praise and worship and just uh, surrendering their heart to the Lord, inviting the presence of the Lord, being purged and sanctified. It was just an awesome uh, move of the Holy Spirit. But I looked at the clock and I noticed it was he- heading towards 11. And I thought my pastor taught me, you know, you know when to finish. So what I did, at 11, I, I stopped, I shut it down, and I handed the microphone back to the moderator. Well, lo and behold, he just picked it up and take it, took it up to another level. And they went on to 12.30 once again. I am not exaggerating. The bishop's wife, um, they brought all the guests out, you know, to have some uh, light refreshment, 12.30. And they said, right, we're ready to go home now, quarter to one. Where was the bishop wife? The bishop wife was at the altar call, still working with people. And they were preparing the baptism pool, amen, at one one. Amen, to baptize someone else in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm sharing all of that just to get you prepared. Amen, that when you graduate from Bible school and you have to deal with culture, there are many different cultures. There is, um, of course, you know, depends on what nation you're from. And I understand that there's some culture here in the States, whether you're down south or east and west, even in the, in the UPCI, you have different cultures in your church. Well, amongst apostolics, there are just many different cultures. But the one thing I'm so happy about is that as apostolic, we, are, we believe in the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe in the power that is in the name. Amen. The speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and dependency upon the anointing of God. Amen. For indeed a move of the Holy Spirit. So getting back to my text, 
um, regarding the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was set aside from birth to take a message to the nation that would bring a change in the hearts of the people of God. And dominant nation, political powers, were going to be brought down, amen, through the word that God gave to Jeremiah as a prophet. We see that the word of God that was given to Jeremiah was, as it were, a detective. The word of God given to him was destructive. The word given to him was creative. God's word given to the prophet is like a detective. Now, the, I understand that there was um, the CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. And whenever a, a crime takes place, you know, these detectives, uh, they turn up on the crime scene to gather the facts, find out what has happened, how it happened, and what was the motive. And sometimes God's word would come to us as a detective. I want to compliment you because as Bible school student, you've made a sacrifice to be here. And your intention is pure. Your intention is good. You want to do something for the kingdom of God. I believe I'm talking to uh, future preachers. Amen. Future leaders. Amen. Future superintendents. Future missionaries. But even in the state that we are found, even in my own personal life, there are times when I'm sitting there in a congregation. In fact, it happened to me just, just uh, a few uh, weeks ago. Um, it was uh, our, our, our youth congress in the United Kingdom. And we had Brother Adam Shaw from um, Ontario, the youth president. And he got up and he preached about um, the life of Abraham. His text was, and God said to Abraham that he was to walk before me and be righteous. Walk before me and be righteous. That wasn't really the major point of Brother Adam's message. However, as I sat on the front row and I heard that text, all of a sudden, something dropped in my heart. It was as if the word of God became a detective. Although I'm the general superintendent, it was the word of God was checking me out. The word of God came to my scene to see if there any crime had been done. And I was convicted by the Holy Spirit with those words, walk before me, saith the Lord. The Lord was reminding me that I'm not to walk before man. I am not here to please an individual. But my focus should be totally and completely foremost for Almighty God. Walk before me, saith the Lord. And I want to say, if you would walk before the Lord, that your priority, your priority is the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only to walk before the Lord. But walk before me, said, and be thou righteous. Walk before me and be thou righteous. And there and then, I just open up my heart to the Lord and say, Lord, wash me again in your blood. Purify my mind. Purify my heart. Purify my spirit. As God's word go forth today, there may just be a couple of words or a sentence that I may leave. And to me, it may be just a, a part of a sermon. But for, for, but for you, it is the word of the Lord, which is as a searchlight 
uh, illuminating areas in our life that God wants to correct. Uh, illuminating areas in our life that God wants to perfect. Amen. And so God's word is as a detective. Why Hebrews 4 and verse 12 said, For the word of God is living. The word of God is active. It is full of power. Amen. It is energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing the soul and the spirit. And it is about the joints on the marrow. The deepest part of our nature. God's word come forth. And it says it is a judge of every thought and intent of the heart. So God knows our thought and God knows our intention. But what God wants, he wants to perfect us. That we may walk upright before him. Amen. I want to encourage every one of you Bible school students that you would seek God first to walk upright before him and have a pure heart. Amen. And not to just, it, it's got to be more than putting on a show. Amen. Because sometime in Pentecost, we can get used to that. We know how to just do everything that we look apostolic. But more so than that, if you would have a pure heart, Amen. And, and a love for God. And when God's word convicts you, don't turn a blind eye. But if you would humble yourself and, and say, yeah, Lord, search me and purge me and purify me and cleanse me. Walk before God and be thou upright. Yes, God's word is a detective. It will search yourself. But then also God's word is destructive. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29. He said, is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. So God's word, as it goes forward, at times, it can be destructive. The word that God spoke to Jeremiah said, I have set thee this day over nation, over the kingdom. The word that I speak to you, they're going to be destructive, Jeremiah. Those words that I speak to you, they're going to pull down. The words that I speak to you, they're going to destroy. The words that I speak to you, they're going to throw down. And Jeremiah was one of those prophets, amen, that prophesied and witnessed the fall of the Assyrian Empire and the death of King Josiah. God's word, yes, it is a detective. God's word is destructive. But God's word is also creative. In Genesis, we read that God said, let there be light. The word of God is spoken, and there was a light. Whenever Jeremiah spoke and prophesied, things were accomplished. The prophet word became God's word. As it were, God's word and deeds were one with him. Whenever Jeremiah spoke, it was a certain word as if it was done. Amen. And um, so the Lord said to uh, Jeremiah that his word was like fire shut up within his bone. Jeremiah spoke with much zeal and he spoke with much passion. Indeed, just like Jeremiah, we are called of God and we are set apart from God. Listen carefully. God said, before I formed thee, I knew thee. 
And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Amen. You were called before you came to high BC. God already knew, knew your name. And let me say this, although my, I'm not really here to talk about um, the rights and wrong um, uh, of, of abortion, but, you know, they are debating when is it, when, when a child is, is formed in the womb, when is it really alive? And uh, they've got so many weeks um, that, that, that they put down. But let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible said these words, that God formed a body and breathed into that body, and it became a living soul. All you need is a body and breath, and then you have a soul. So in the womb, we have a body. In the womb, we have breath. Therefore, in the womb, we have a soul. But Almighty God goes even further. He said, before I formed thee in the belly. God saying, I knew thee. And before, as it were, you were even conceived in the belly, God says, I know your name. And furthermore, I had plot uh, my a purpose, my will for your life here on earth. He said to Jeremiah, I had already sanctified thee, uh, purged as it were, and I had ordained thee as a prophet unto the nation. So before he was formed, before he was birthed, Almighty God saw Jeremiah as an ordained prophet. I tell you what that is saying. God is looking on you now and he sees, amen, an elected superintendent. God is looking at you and he sees an appointed district youth leader. God is looking at you. He says, I've already formed you. Amen. I've already called you. I've already ordained you before you came to college. Amen. To be a man of God, to be a woman of God in my kingdom. Praise the name of Jesus. So as we stand here this morning, whatever our name, whatever our position, God saw it way before. Hallelujah. Oh, let me share with you the testimony of Barry Miller. Barry Miller, um, I, uh, we, we grew up uh, when, in teenagers, and then uh, both of us ended up full-time in the ministry. But Barry's mother had some difficulty when he, when he was birthed as a child. And as a result of that, he was put up for adoption, and he was adopted by his aunt. Barry Miller is now 50-something years old. About 10 years ago, he went to check his medical record when he was born. And he found out that when he was born, that there was some deformity. And they didn't think that he would live. So it needed two signatures from the doctors to terminate his life. One doctor had already signed to terminate. But the second doctor hesitated. And because he hesitated, his life was not terminated. Barry Miller, amen, is a teacher now. Amen. An ordained minister of the United Pentecostal Church of Great Britain and Ireland. God knew Barry Miller before he was conceived in his mother's womb. And although there was difficulty at his birth, God had a will and indeed a purpose for his life. 
About two years ago, I was speaking to Jemison Trinidad, whose father is the secretary treasurer of the Philippines. His father had come over to the UK, and we were just around uh, in a restaurant, and we were just talking. And Brother Trinidad said, I'd like for you to come to the Philippines to minister. Oh, I said, Brother Trinidad, you don't need me to come. In, in the UK, in Scotland, we have a full-time Bible school. And every year, uh, something like an average of eight individuals will graduate from that Bible college. Some of those young men that have graduated have married Filipino ladies. And so I said to uh, Brother Trinidad that these individuals, not only have they graduated from the Bible school, but they have matured themselves in the ministry. These uh, young folks, I said, they know how to minister under the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They know how to preach the word of God. Furthermore, they know how to work the altar. I said it would be good if they came to the Philippines. And so um, this year in April, 15 of us um, gathered to uh, a mission trip of, uh, to be in the Philippines uh, for just over 10 days. Brother Bodegas, the general superintendent of the Philippines, had already cast a vision, amen, for there to be a million souls saved and for there to be 10,000 pastors. Amen. He shared that at the Global Council um, that we were in, um, I was in Panama a few years back. So when we had this team gathered, most of them former uh, Bible school graduates, uh, to go to Manila, I already knew that we were going to a revival district. And so our mission trip was to hit seven churches, seven districts. Um, there would have been about 40 different preaching and teaching sessions. And these were individuals just like yourself that had just graduated from Bible school. My wife came along with me, Jemison Trinidad. Uh, he was a, a preacher's kid. There was Simon Ross from um, Ohio. There was Eric Winkler uh, from Ollen. There was uh, Baron Carson, who was an aimer to Ollen. Then there was Zach Scherzer from Florida. Zach Scherzer had a, a quite interesting testimony. Amen. As a child, um, he was brought up in an, an uh, abused home, a home where there was abuse. His mother, uh, he told me some of the horrific details and things that happened in the home. But he can remember um, him and his mother having to flee um, their home from their father. That was just, um, just, uh, just terrifying. But while on this mission trip, um, Zach got me out a, a, a picture, and he showed me a picture of his father um, on the wanted list, and he had just been caught, and he was arrested um, for um, details with, uh, for crime uh, with harm. And he says, Bishop, my father is now looking at a prison sentence. But Zach was also on that mission trip. Individuals from different backgrounds, the first week, we divided ourselves into six teams. And these six teams went to six different districts uh, where there was an average attendance of um, 800 in each of these local district U conference. Um, you could imagine what it was like, and those of you that are using WhatsApp and Facebook, because the six teams were scattered in different uh, regions in the Philippines. 
And so um, on the, the, the first day, for example, on the Tuesday, um, in, in the first service that we had, um, there was approximately six people that were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized, and there was notable healing. Oh, so that, that was on the Sunday. But in the Quebec district, in Lucina City, the youth camp there, with over 600 young people in attendance, uh, 17 souls were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that first service. In another area on that Tuesday, while these young uh, graduate, student graduates were ministering in different areas, um, another district, over 800 in attendance, 16 were filled with the Holy Ghost. In another area, on that same Tuesday night, 750 young people in another district, uh, 20 were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so it was just, if, if God Almighty was from heaven was just looking down, and um, just all over various districts in the Philippines were these graduates from Harvest Bible College preaching and ministering the Word of God. Literally, just like the prophet Jeremiah, they went there with boldness with a word from the Lord and preached the, the Word of God with power, preached the Word of God with authority, with signs and wonders following the preaching of the Word of God. On the second week, we all came back together and went to what they call the National Capital uh, Youth Conference in Baggio City. And uh, here the attendance was approximately 1,500 in attendance. On, in, in the AM service, 53 people were filled with the Holy Ghost, and 16 were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was just wonderful. The majority of those 53 were visiting guests that the folks had brought from their various different districts to the um, actual service. In the PM service, another 28 and 156 notable healing took place. These are students, amen, that had graduated, amen, from Bible school, amen, and now ministering the Word of God, putting into practice, indeed, what they preached. On the Wednesday night, because it was coming up to election time, the local politician came. And uh, courtesy, they gave her a platform to uh, give a greeting uh, to the congregation. She did so. And I remember she went to a seat that was on the balcony over, over to the right-hand side. Well, when at the end of the service, the way they did things in the Philippines, you have waves of the Holy Ghost. You know, they just flock to the altar. I mean, literally hundreds are at the altar. And you pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You take authority in Jesus' name. You, 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 you prophesy, receive you the Holy Ghost in the name of the Lord. And it's just like a wave. Many would just receive those. And you've got to stop, find out how many receive it, put their hands up. Well, lo and behold, the politician that came in the first wave, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit where she was standing on the right-hand side. Amen. What, what, what was unique to me was that uh, when they stopped everybody and went for the second wave, she was still up there on the balcony speaking in other tongues. There was no doubt in our mind that God had filled her with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the, up to 500 folks were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and over 100 were baptized in Jesus' name. I share that with you. Uh, to let you know that God has called you and that God has, God has ordained you. And just like you see with these young, in our local church, amen, across this nation, 
and indeed across the world. Amen. God has already raised you up and ordained you. What is happening here in this Bible college, this semester that you are in, that God is, is preparing you, amen, to fulfill his will and indeed his purpose, indeed, in your life. Let me tell you about Sam Hacker. Sam Hacker uh, left uh, Vienna, Austria. Uh, a God-fearing uh, family uh, in the church pastored by um, our missionary uh, Robinette. But when he came to London, he forgot about God. And the bright lights of London was enticing. So unknown to me, we never saw Sam Hacker. But we have an extension work over in East London. And um, I remember one Sunday night, we have a 6.30 service. It's not well attended. There's maybe been about 40 or 50 people there. And I remember there was a young man over to the altar, sobbing and weeping and pouring out his heart before God. And you know, you, you see things happen at the altar. And then every now and then you feel a prompting in the Holy Spirit that God is doing something in that individual's life. And so um, we laid hands and we prayed. And when everybody had left, he was still at the altar, weeping and sobbing before the Lord. I later found out who he was, Sam Acker. He started to attend one of our extension work. What I later found out, as I've mentioned to you, that he left Vienna, left his family, and completely stopped serving the Lord. Well, on my way home Sunday night, I get a text from Sam Hacker saying, Bishop, can I go to Bible college? Well, Bible school had already started three weeks. And normally, when one going to Bible school, I like to check, check them out properly, make sure they're going for the right reason, the right attitude, they have their finances in place, you know, and all of that. Here is he texting me on Sunday night after church. Bible school had already started three weeks. When, you know, I'm thinking, but I remember him seeking the face of the Lord at the altar. And normally as a pastor, I would say, wait till the next year. But God did something in his heart, in his life that night. So I said to him, let's talk on Monday. Cut a long story short. Um, he said he's got the money. He's ready to go. And so he arrived at Harvest Bible College three weeks late. Well, the rest is a testimony to the glory of God. Amen. He was the top student. Amen. That year. And after he graduated from Bible school, he wanted to stay in London and work, but he, was, he had to do uh, military service in Austria. So I said to Sam, it's best you go back to Austria and do the, the military service. Well, when he went back to the military service, there were some problems in the district. And uh, some, there was a split that took place in some churches were without a pastor. Of all places, Geneva, Switzerland. And because Sam spoke three languages, he was the one that was sent to Geneva, Switzerland. Now he is the pastor in that church in Geneva, Switzerland. He's one of the full-time Bible uh, uh, teachers. And he's also an evangelist that minister indeed all across Europe. And time would forbid me because there's many other students I could tell you about what God indeed has done in their life. But I felt impressed just to share with you about what God has done in my life. I was, I was born in Jamaica. I came to England at the age of seven. Gave my heart to the Lord, age 15 in 1972. So many things in my life I can remember. Um, when I came to church, I, I longed to play music. And I got myself a guitar, got three chords, G, C, and D. 
went to church and played everything in G, C, and D. No matter what key they were singing in, I did C, I did G, C, and D. Much to the annoyance of my pastor, I said, Blue, you're not hearing the changes, you know, and literally I was tone deaf. Um, then I was le- I'm left-handed, there was, you know, everything was right-handed guitars and so forth. Cut a long story short, the Lord eventually, you know, um, corrected my tone deafness. You know, and now I, I, am, I was able to play by here in the church, etc. and so forth. So growing up in the church, I literally served in every department in the church, except the ladies' department. So um, in 2001, I was appointed as the senior pastor, having grown up in that church. In 2002, I was elected as the general superintendent of Great Britain and Ireland. And uh, Brother Rodenbush's father... Uh, but a Roland Bush Sr. was the one who uh, did my inauguration sermon. I don't know where we got the facts from. But when I came to the Lord, you know, um, I came from a family that was poor and dysfunctional. Um, I loved my mother and father dearly, but something went wrong. I can remember two years of happiness and then the rest, it was just a broken home. Um, you know, um, there was constant fighting. One Christmas Eve, I remember... Uh, my mother had to go to hospital after being in a fight with my dad. Um, as a family, Elders of Seven, we were that close to being taken into care by social service. What they did at Christmas, children that were disadvantaged, to give them a little bit of Christmas, they took us to this uh, show, as it were. I can remember it now. You know, um, this show, they had presents all on the platform, and then they would do some comedy hacks or something. And each of the disadvantaged children would get a gift of some sort to give them just a, a, a little bit of a, a Christmas. Um, so um, came from Brokeham. So I remember my first year in service, um, uh, serving the Lord, and the, a youth camp came up. So they asked me if I would I like to go to the camp. Number one, I didn't have any. By the way, I, I, I was a bit intimidated by how nice people dressed in church. You know, so... Um, Go to camp, you camp with my scruffy clothes, age 16. That wasn't really appealing to me. So I, I made an excuse, no, I, um, I don't think I can afford it. Well, my Lord, to my surprise, he said, we'll pay for your way to go. Oh, man. So I, had, I have to admit, I don't have any clothes to go. So my pastor, James Dallas, what he did, i never forget it. He brought me, I don't know if, do, there, there used to be what they call a Levi Stay Press trousers. It was green. He gave me a pair of green Levi's day press. He gave me a pair of brown shoes to go to the general camp. I mean, go to the youth camp. Sure enough, I um, went to the youth camp, and ever since I've been connected in the church. So when I um, when I was inaugurated as a general superintendent, Brother Rodenbush heard about this testimony and made the remark that. Yes, Brother Dallas gave me shoes when I was a young man in the church. Only to know that in God's providence, that one day God has so ordained it that I would literally walk in his shoes as the general superintendent of Great Britain and Ireland. I share that with you, amen, not to bring any glory or claim to myself, but to let you know that there is a sovereign God who knows you and he knows your heart. And quite clearly, he has a purpose for your life. 
through God's grace, I have preached on maybe most of the continents uh, in this world. A few years ago, uh, exactly six years ago, I was in South Korea preaching, and I was scheduled to go to China to preach. It's quite, I'll never forget it, because the evening before we flew to China, there was a group of seven or eight of us, and the plan was that we would go to the underground church to teach to some Bible school students in the underground church. Well, we were informed by our guide that the place was under surveillance by the uh, authorities, so only two of us could go. And then he says, you have to be careful, because um, if they catch you, you know, they'll put you in prison, and there'd be a heavy fine, you know, uh, for you to get out. He said, and you, you are from the UK, so they won't beat you, but the Chinese folks, they'll, get them, they'll, they'll, they'll give them a beating. And then our old pastor was there. He said, yeah, last time I went there, two years ago, they caught me, they beat me, held me for a number of weeks, and then they let me out. So, you know, they kind of put the fear of God in us, you know, you know with all, all this was going on and we we're thinking. So me and my friend, our brother Jimmy Austin, we were scheduled to go. Well, after that meeting, I was walking down the street and I got a text that my mother had passed away. So I, had, I went back to the team, called them at midnight and said, look, I'm not going to be able to go into China. I've got to go back home because my mother just passed away. So but Jimmy Austin went on ahead and uh, did that mission trip to China. I still have my passport, one-page stamp with my visa to China. The reason why I mentioned my mother... Uh, passing away was that before I left for that trip, she had suffered a stroke, and I had to make a big decision whether or not I would go. And I remember leaving that hospital. My mom wasn't really responding, and I'm thinking, should I go or shouldn't I go? Should I stay? I spoke to one or two individuals, and it was just a heavy decision, you know, whether to go or not. But then I remember my mother's desire for my life. You see, up to the age of 30, she was unable to give birth. So at the age of 30, she gave birth to me after having uh, some miscarriages. So she told me that as the first child, she dedicated me to the Lord. And she dedicated me to be a preacher. And that was what prompted me to go to South Korea on that mission trip because I knew whatever state my mother was in that's what she would have wanted me to do and so when I look over my life I can look back now I am now 60 years old and I look back I can see the hand of God many different areas in my life let's stand together so I want to in concluding, just invite you just to make your way to the altar this morning. Because God has just given me this word to give to you this morning. That God already knows you. Already has a purpose for your life. You are already ordained. In the eyes of God, you are already placed. And there are desires and passion and ambitions that God has given to you 
And you say to yourself, me? What, maybe I don't know what you're thinking, but maybe after graduating, you think, well, I'm going to go back, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Never limit what God is able to do in your life. And the word that God gave to Jeremiah, they became powerful. Amen. They changed the course of a nation. Amen. They, they, they changed the course, amen, of, of empires. And God this morning is wanting to remind you of that word that is already placed in your life. Amen. In that he has called you and he has already ordained you. What if we could just lift our hands to the Lord once again this morning? And in lifting up our hands to the Lord, if we could just open up our hearts to him. And once again, hear his spirit and hear his word. Once again, speaking to us and reminding us indeed that he has called us. He has gifted us. Once again, he's reminding us that he has a purpose for us. Whatever your background and whatever seemingly challenges or disadvantages you may have faced, this morning we pray that God's will be done in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leko Shandarekia Ramaya. Heavenly Father, I bring these students before you this morning, Lord. I pray now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, that the things that would bring about your perfect will for their lives, that those things would be exalted and be established firmly. I pray in the name of Jesus. Anything that would come against your will or against your purpose, let those things be brought low now, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.